Welcome to episode number 213. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to keep your garden growing as long as possible as we move into those cold weather months. So specifically, which crops you can let stay in the ground that you don't have to harvest in most areas of the country. And we'll talk about how this applies to your direct weather as well. And ways that you can extend the growing season of certain crops, even if you are getting those killing frosts and the difference between a killing frost and a hard freeze. So we're going to be covering lots of things in the garden today. And welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, your host, Melissa K. Norris, where we are all about living homegrown and handmade using modern homesteading to raise, preserve, and cook our own organic food no matter where you live. Thank you so much for joining me. And today's topic is one that I get excited about because with homesteading and gardening, one of our goals, and I think many a homesteader and gardener's goals, is to be able to grow as long as possible so that we can harvest that fresh food. And then of course, what is not able to grow anymore because of the growing season, we'll be preserving it. And I love being able to preserve my food for year-round eating. But I really love when I can just continue to extend its growing time outside and just be able to harvest straight from the garden instead of always going to the pantry shelves. But it's always going to be a combination of that in most places and areas of the country because most people aren't able to grow all of the crops all year round, no matter what. So as you move into the fall and winter months with the garden and you begin to experience those killing frosts, there are some crops that will continue to grow just fine and you can leave out in the garden without really doing anything to them. And then there's others that with just a little bit of work, you can extend that growing season on them much longer. So let's cover first, what is the difference between a killing frost and a freeze? A killing frost is when the temperatures are usually below 30 degrees Fahrenheit, so in the high 20 degrees range, and it kills off all of the vegetation. So any of your warm weather plants, it's going to freeze all of the green parts, everything that's above ground is going to freeze. But then in the morning when the sun comes up, and temperatures warm up, it becomes above freezing and that frost melts. But it's a killing frost because anything that's not frost hardy is going to be wiped out. Now, a freeze, on the other hand, what we consider to be a freeze is when my ground, the actual first inches or so of soil of my ground, the dirt freezes. And even during those daytime highs, it doesn't thaw out. So my ground remains frozen and unworkable. So many plants, when you just have those killing frosts, those cool, hardy, those weathered plants will survive that just fine. So Brussels sprouts are a great example of that. Broccoli, cabbage, bok choy, carrots, those all will survive a hard frost just fine. In fact, our kale is getting froze every night. And same with the Brussels sprouts. 
they're getting the hard frost. And then during the day, I'm able to go out once the frost has melted off of the leaves and harvest them. In fact, they're improved. The flavor of them is so much better when they go through that hard frost. What happens when you begin to get those colder temperatures of those hard frosts, so is most of those plants they really slow down on their production and their growing. It kind of sends them into hibernation mode, at least it does for me. And so whatever size they are, once those really start to hit, the Brussels sprouts will continue to grow a little bit more, especially the smaller ones, but the kale isn't really producing very many more new leaves or that type of a thing. So I'm basically just harvesting off of what's already there. But the flavors improved and the cool weather that we're having like that will keep it out in the garden just fine without me needing to bring it in or do anything to it. And we'll harvest off of our kale and off of our Brussels sprouts and off of the cabbage when it's in that state before that we're now not talking the grounds frozen yet, just we're getting those those hard frosts. I'm able to harvest and leave those in the ground and just harvest right off of the stalks clear into the kale was last year was all the way into February until we had too much snow and I couldn't get to it anymore. And the Brussels sprouts we did, um, we actually ended up harvesting all that we had planted. We planted more this year all the way to the first part of December. So those are great because I really don't need to do anything to them. They just keep right on trucking through the frost. Same thing with the carrots. As long as the ground isn't frozen enough that I can't actually dig down and get in there, I can just keep pulling up my carrots. They're more sweet as well, but they pretty much will stay the same size that they are. So that's great because whatever is of large enough harvestable size, I can just leave out in the ground underneath and it's a root vegetable. You can mulch it to help prevent the ground from freezing so that you can pull them out easier throughout the winter months, provided that you don't get a ton of snow on top, because then it's pretty much impossible to dig through it and get them if it's very deep. But carrots will overwinter in the ground just fine. In fact, that's what you need to do if you want to seed save so that come springtime, then they're a biennial. They'll start to produce flower blossoms the following year, and then you'll get your seed off of them. And of course, garlic you plant in October in most areas and climates, and it stays in the ground. We do mulch ours, so I put straw over top of it and we mulch it, and that will just stay in the ground all winter. And then as soon as temperatures are right in the late winter, early spring, it will begin to sprout and grow and then be ready to harvest next July. So that's another root crop that you're just going to leave in the ground. In fact, you have to in order to grow it. But when it comes to our beets, beets are not as cold hardy as many of these other crops that we've already talked about and kind of the same um, with your lettuce and even your Swiss chard. It will survive some cold temperatures, but mine, when it's that day in and day out and we get a lot colder, mine don't really do so great, just totally unprotected. Now with your beets, some people, if you live in a more mild temperature or mild gardening zone. So typically think about like a gardening zone eight, sometimes seven, but usually like gardening zone eight or warmer. You're able to leave your beets in the ground all winter, usually providing some layer of mulch on top still. And you can just leave them in the ground like you do carrots and you come out and dig them. A lot of people will do the same thing with potatoes. They'll just come out and dig them up as they need them, provided there's not a ton of snow cover. I know I keep saying that, but you know, there's going to be circumstances that's going to be harder to do. But a lot of climates can do that just fine if they don't get a lot of snowfall and the ground doesn't freeze really deep down into the topsoil. Now, here where I live, I can let my beets stay in the ground 
for probably about four weeks after we really start to get consistent hard frost. But I can't leave them in all winter because we will get where the ground will freeze and we'll have that for maybe, you know, two to three weeks. And then we'll get a warmer spell in the Pacific Northwest with our rain, which will all that cloud cover then warms things up just enough that things thaw out. And then we're getting a deluge of rain. And so it's that thaw and freeze cycle with a lot of moisture that if I leave my beets in the ground to try to overwinter them, they end up rotting, which is not good. So I've got a little bit of a window where I can do that. But one of the great things about this time of year that you can do with those crops, like I said, the ones that aren't quite as cold tolerant or as cold hardy that I mentioned, those crops, if you put some type of cover over or cold frame, you are likely going to be able to grow them. Maybe not all the way through the winter. I can grow lettuce all the way through the winter with a good cold frame cover. But many of those crops, you'll be able to extend them longer and then you'll be able to harvest off of them throughout the next few weeks. This is especially true of my beets. So I have row covers over my beets that I put out on the beets that aren't large enough to harvest yet. So even though I planted them in August, they're not quite big enough for me to pull up. The root needs more time to develop. But because we're getting those colder temps, it really won't grow anymore. It's at the size it's going to stay. But by using row covers that offer protection and also increase the temperature, I'm going to be able to allow those to keep growing for at least a few more weeks until they reach a more harvestable size. When you're using row covers, depending upon if they go all the way to the ground and the type of fabric that they are, you can increase the temperature of the soil and the crops when you're protecting it from the freezes. But you can increase it usually by about five degrees overnight low. So if you're only getting into those high 20s, you can actually keep it from freezing. And then during the day, you are going to increase the daytime temperature this time of year, usually by about 10, sometimes still 15 degrees. So our daytime highs right now are about in the 50s when we have those bright beautiful fall days that are sunny. So by having mine in a cold frame like that, I can increase that temperature to about 65, close to 70 degrees, which is really going to provide enough warmth to make those crops still grow. Whereas if they were not protected and covered, they would just stop growing and pretty much go into hibernation mode. Now you can build hoop houses and cold frames You can use, depending upon the size of the plant, you can even use mason jars just turned upside down. Anything that is a clear plastic and or glass that the sun can get through, but that goes all the way to the ground and effectively kind of seals it up to keep the cold out overnight, you can use as a cold frame. If you want to see my beet row covers and how we're doing this, you can go to today's show notes the episode notes that have the full written blog post and links to everything, including a YouTube video where I actually show this in action. And then also links to the different products that I have used and or tutorials if it's a do-it-yourself one. That is going to be at melissaknorris.com forward slash 213. So just the number 213 because this is episode number 213. And you'll also want to get your hands on my new book, The Family Garden Plan raise a year's worth of healthy and sustainable food. It doesn't actually release until January, but we have got some amazing pre-order bonuses that you are going to want to get your hands on over 
$96 worth of pre-order bonuses. And one of the, just one of the many sections in the book that we go over and that I give examples and explanations and how to make them is using cold frames and row covers, both in the winter and fall months to extend your growing season, but also because we're gardeners, we're thinking ahead to spring. You can use them in the spring to extend your growing time on both sides of that frost date. So if you live in a climate that is more mild, doesn't get a ton of snow, many of those root crops, you will be able to just use some straw or a good layer of mulch on top. And you can leave them in the ground during those winter and fall months, and you can just harvest straight from the ground. Now, of course, if you get frozen really down deep, then you're not going to be able to dig down and actually harvest them out. So then you're going to want to pull those out and preserve them. But this gives you several options on when you can do that and how you can prolong that growing time. And to our verse of the week, we are in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. And Jesus replying said to them, have faith in God constantly. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. And this is the amplified translation of the Bible. And I love this verse because it reminds us to have faith in God constantly. It can be easy to have faith in God when things are going our way or we feel like things are good. But it can be harder to have faith when we are in a challenging time. And what's also a great takeaway from this verse that I'm reminding myself of, and so I figure if I need a reminder, you might need this bit of reminder or encouragement as well, is our faith is the key thing there. There's another verse in the Bible, which I don't actually have in front of me to tell you the exact place, but where Jesus did not perform a miracle because the people in that region had no faith. So we are reminded time and time again in the Bible that our faith is very important for God to be able to move in our lives. And so if we doubt And this is so true. And I know I've seen it manifested in my own life. I'm sure you have too. If you think that something isn't going to happen or I can't do this or this is too hard or there's no way, you know, and you say those words and those phrases or you think them, it's usually a self-fulfilling prophecy. Our mindset is so important. Now, I'm not saying that if I think that I'm going to be a millionaire, then tomorrow morning, I'm going to have a million dollars. That's not what I mean. But it truly is true that the way that you think and where your faith lies does really have true consequences on the outcome. I mean, and Jesus lays it out here is right here for us. If we don't have faith then things won't move and won't happen. And when we pray, we're also to pray with the faith that God is going to move in our life and do what we ask. Now, of course, sometimes we ask the Lord for things that we don't get the answers to or we don't get it how we wanted to. And that doesn't mean necessarily that we didn't have faith, but God is still sovereign and he is going to answer in his ways and ways that we can't understand this side of heaven. But we definitely, if we pray with faith, 
and that we're in his will, because sometimes we pray for things not realizing it's outside of his will and what will actually be good for us, then he will work and move in our lives. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I can't wait to be back here with you on our next episode, where we are going to be talking about our upcoming series on raising your own beef, where to get grass-fed good home-raised beef if you're not able to grow it yourself, and then what to do on butcher day, either if you are butchering your own cattle or if you are getting in beef from someone else through a butcher, what you need to know and how to call in your cut and wrap order and how to decide which cups you cuts that you want in order to get the absolute most out of your beef. So I am very excited for this series. Many of you asked me for this. So we are working on that. It's going to be coming out shortly. So make sure that you hit subscribe, whatever app you are listening to this on, so that you don't miss anything in that series. And I would love to know either via a review or in the comment section of the blog post that goes with this episode, if there is any series or topics that you would like me to cover in upcoming either videos and or the podcast. Okay, bye for now, and I will see you very soon. Thank you.